We are on Ksubis Membez, Amabez, in the middle of 42b, continuing on in the beginning of this fourth parak, this fourth chapter. Uh, we were just discussing uh, in the last class about Korban uh, Shvua of Kfiris Mamon, of the uh, laws of taking a false oath, what happens if a t- person takes a Shvua, a false oath about monetary issues, so then they have to pay the principal back plus an additional chomesh, uh, an additional fifth, and they would have to bring a sacrifice. Um, and we mentioned how that would only apply to cases of mamon, to cases of monetary issues, but not to a knas, not to a fine. And as such, Reb Shimon, we were just discussing Rabba's position of Reb Shimon. Reb Shimon says that even if they went to court and the court ruled, everybody agrees in the end of the day that the court ruled that uh he he owes the fine. He has to pay the fine. Uh, there and, and he lied. He initially lied under oath. Uh, so, but it wouldn't follow the, these rules because it didn't start off as a monetary obligation. Even though after they go to court, it is a monetary obligation. The court rules you have to pay this person. Originally, it was viewed as a fine, um, and so therefore there would be an exemption. However. Rabbi did say, but when do we say that it's viewed completely as a monetary obligation? That's with regards to the inheritance to his children. Meaning what? Meaning, let's say the court rules, regular case, the court rules that he has to pay the fine. Any fine. We're talking about any fine. He has to pay the fine. And then the father dies. So now who does he pay the fine to? Uh, so uh, according to Rabba, he would have to pay the fine. Uh, before he collects, he would have to pay the fine to uh, his sons. His sons are the next in line to receive the inheritance. This obligation to pay is part of the inheritance. So you have to pay his sons. Um, and that is the position of Rabbah within Rabbi Shimon. The Gemara asks now, wait a minute, this is completely against Rabbi Shimon of our Mishnah. Ace we have the following question, which is why we're bringing this up. This is against Rabbi Shimon of our Mishnah. It's true, the Tanakhama, the first opinion held that it would go to the sons. Um, however, Rabbi Shimon Omer, Milo Speaker Ligvos Achmes Av Harehin Shalatzma. Rabbi Shimon is of the opinion that um, if she's if if he passes away, the father passes away after the court case and after the decision, but before he actually collects, so then the obligation to pay in a case of an onus mafata, in a case of a seduction or a rape, is to the girl herself. It has to be given to the girl, not to his sons as part of the laws of inheritance, but it's given to the girl because. Since he didn't uh, collect yet, so now the girl is the is the next uh, baldin. She's the next litigant. She's uh, so we're sort of like a co-litigant together with the father. So the Gemara asks, "This is against Rabbah, am I?" According to Rabbah, no. It should really be not. It shouldn't be uh, given to the daughter. It should be given as part of the laws of inheritance to the son. That, that was his exact point. So Amar Rava, Rava says that High Milsa, this fascinating line here, High Milsa, the Kashiba, Rabbah, Rav Yosef, Estrin, Vitartin, Shonen, Vlo Ifrik, Adi Yosef, Rav Yosef, Bereshev, Apirka. Rabbah and Rav Yosef were, had this question for 22 years. They had this, this very question they've had for 22 years. That why is it, uh, that according to Rav Shimon, it's, it's given to the daughter after the father dies, after the court case, and not given as part of the laws of inheritance to his sons, where that, that would be the regular laws of inheritance. Why is he given to the daughter, who is viewed as sort of like a, a co-litigant here? Um, they had this question for 22 years, which is really, uh, it's really uh, very important for us to recognize that we can have questions, and it's important that we, we deal with these. Number one is that we deal with the questions, and even if we have questions for 22 years, 
that at some point we could have answers to these questions that we might not have the answers right away, but sometimes it takes time to think about it and think about it more uh, till we get the answers. What happened 22 years later? So essentially, Rashi adds to the story, the classic commentator Rashi, explains that Rabbah was really the Rosh HaYeshiva. He was the in charge of the Yeshiva uh, for those 22 years. Rav Yosef was his colleague. Rabbah was in charge. Rabbah was the one who was very analytical. Rav Yosef had a strong uh, bekias. He had a, a strong mastery of of information. But Rabbah was viewed as the one who was analytical, the, the critical thinker. And he was the one in charge for the first 20, for 22 years until he passed away. And then Rav Yosef took over. So when Rav Yosef took over, there were some questions. People had questions. Is he really, will he have the critical uh, analysis, uh, the fact that he doesn't have as uh, as strong, they both had it uh, tremendously, but as strong as Rabbah, so then would that would that make a difference? And so Rav Yosef had siyata deshmaya, help from Hashem, when he became the Rosh Hashiva, and he said, I can even answer this question. Hashem helped him to answer this question after 22 years. Rabbah was not able to answer the question. I was not able to answer the question for 22 years. But now, now that I'm the Rosh Hashiva, Hashem gave him help and he was able to answer the question. So what is the answer to this question? So he answered as follows. Shani hasam the answer Yosef has is that it's Rabbah's correct that it's given over to the children. Once, even if it's after the court case and the father dies, it's given over to the children. But when does that apply? That's limited to all other forms of a fine. There are many different types of fines out there. Uh, when a person steals, they have to pay double. Um, when an ox scores uh, a slave, a non-Jewish slave, so then they have to pay 30 shekel. There are lots of, uh, of fines out there. The, the one fine that's an exception to this rule is our case, our case of our Mishnah. When it comes to a seduction or rape of, of a girl between the ages of 12 and 12 and a half, so besides for the regular payment of damages, there's also the payment of a fine of 50 shekel. The Torah tells us, based on the Torah, the Torah says, and you should give it to the, the Nasan, you should give it in the to the father of the Nara, of the girl 50, 50 uh, shekel. And so... He, the father, only receives it once it's given to him. That's how he learns it. It's only given to him once he, rece- once he actually receives it. So this is the one exception to the rule. If he did not receive it yet, if he passed away before he uh, was paid, so then it's not really his. He doesn't have a right to it. And so therefore it doesn't go to his sons as part of Yerusha, as part of inheritance. It's given to sort of the co-litigant, the sub-co-litigant, the daughter. And that's the answer to this question of 22 years. So the Gemara says, wait a minute, but we could have, we find in the Torah other cases of a fine where it also uses the language of vinasan, of giving. So Elamiyata Gabe Eve, when it comes to a slave, that you have to give 30 shekel after the ox scores the slave to his master. It says, Yitain. It also uses the language of giving. He uses that language of, of giving. Um, so what's the difference? So the Gemara answers, there's a big difference. And in that case, we don't say that uh, if the father dies, it's not given to his sons. No, it's given to his sons in that case. It's like he already has uh, a, a zchus. He has um, a right to it. So the Gemara says, Al-Mishas Nesina, sorry, Yitin Lechud, Vinasan Lechud. The Gemara says that there's, in by us, by the case of a seduction or rape, 
It uses the language of vinasan in the past. It's in the past tense, that it already happened. To imply that in order for this to be the father's, he has to have it already. It has to have been given to him already. If he never received it, he dies before it's, it's given over to him. He has no rights to it, and therefore his sons also have no rights to it. So it's given to the daughter. When it comes to the case of an evid of a slave, it doesn't use the past tense. It uses it sort of as like an as, as a requirement, an obligation in the future tense. So in the future tense, yitain. And so therefore in that case, um, there's, we, can't, we cannot say that uh, he only has rights to it once it's given to him. It's in the future tense. And so the master has rights to it even beforehand. And therefore if he passes away after the court case, it's given to his uh, sons. Okay, so that's the answer to that question. The Gemara now uh, returns back uh, to the original Brysa that we dealt with in the last class. And so that Brysa was dealing with, again, the issue of the, sh- the Shvua. What happens if a person denies, um, they make it, take an oath denying the fact that uh, they owe a fine, a knas, and then they admit to it. So then, is this, again, this is all after the court case. Everybody admits afterwards the court case already happened, so it's just seemingly a regular obligation. So Rupshim was of the opinion that since it originally was a knas, um, so therefore there is no um, uh, there is no shvu, there's no korban, there's no sacrifice, and there's no additional payment of a chomesh of one-fifth. Um, that's not, that wouldn't apply in this case because it originally started as a knas. But the, the Brysa quoted a pasuk, quoted a verse of the chichish, yihachit tamalomer v'chichish tamalomer v'nasan mi ba'alei, but use the the v'chichish when it's discussing um, the pasuk, the verse that's describing a regular case of where this a false oath would would uh, then result in uh, a payment of twenty of a fifth more plus uh, a korban. But why use that pasuk? Asks the Mar. Now that we have the pasuk of v'nasan. At least with regards to our case, our case of seduction or rape, we have enough on that it, it's only given over to the father uh, once he actually receives it. If that's the case, so then, of course, it's still viewed as a knas. It's not viewed as a monetary payment. He has no rights to it until he receives it. So then, according to Rub Shimon, so then that itself should be the proof. That itself should be the proof that uh, this is not a regular a uh, false oath of monetary payments. It, it's still viewed as a knas, as a fine, until he actually receives the money. The father has to receive the money. He has no rights to it beforehand. It's not viewed as a regular case of monetary obligation. Um, so why does the the Brisa only use the verse of Echifesh with regards to at least the seduction and rape? It's used the language of Vinasan. It's quote that verse. So Amarava, ki Yitzchak v'chichesh kegon cha'amda b'din, u'bagra so Rava says, when do we say that the father has no real rights to it until it's actually given over to him, and until then it's viewed as a regular fine, but he has no real rights to it. If he passes away, it's not given over to his children. When do we say that? That's only when we're dealing with the father. But let's say we have a case where they go to court, and she, the girl, reaches the age of 12 and a half. And then she dies. She really is deserving of the money. So in a case where she's deserving of the money, not the father, but when she's deserving of the money, so then she has rights to it right away. It's different than the father. Interestingly enough, even though they're both, uh, usually we give it to the father, but if she's out of his jurisdiction, like she's 12 and a half, so then it's given to her. But when it's given to her, she has rights to it right after the court case, even before it's given over to her, even according to Rabbi Shimon. And so therefore, if she were to die, 
The point is that if she were to die, so then who's the next in line to inherit? Her father. Her father inherits from, from her. And so then, now, v'chichesh is needed because now we have a case where it's a regular monetary obligation right after the court case. It's a regular monetary obligation. We need v'chichesh to tell you even in that case, even in a case where let's say she's deserving of the payment because she's already above the age of 12 and a half, but she dies or even when she um, when she doesn't die, so then v'chichesh uh, then tells you that, you know what, um, uh, there, there wouldn't be a concept of a uh, of a korban, of this false oath of a korban and of an additional uh, fifth of payment because in the end of the day, uh, this is this didn't originate as a knas. It didn't, it, did, it didn't originate as a regular payment. It originated as a knas. So the Gemara says, why does the Brisa, it's all referring to the language of the Brisa. Why does the Brisa say, Brisa say, the following is an, is, is an exception to the rule if we're dealing with a fine. But we're not dealing with a fine. We're dealing with, it, it's after the court case. It's a monetary issue. So it's uh, just a technical wording issue. It means that they originated as a knas. It's true. After the court case, for most of these cases, except for the case where the father is supposed to get it, it's a regular monetary issue. But because it's originated as a knas, or ikarin knas, um, it sources a knas, a fine, so therefore it doesn't have the regular rules of uh, what happens when a person lies under oath about a monetary issue. It doesn't have the regular rules. Okay, that is really the end of that discussion. We have one more uh, question uh, based on what Rabbi Shimon said on the previous page, on Membez Ahmed Aleph, um, and then we will answer that question. Eisevei, Rabbi Shimon Poter, She'eno Mishalem Knas Apiatzmo. So again, just to, to, as a quick review, um, we said that within Rib Shimon, even if they already went to court, even if they already went to court, um, and let's say she, whether the daughter is deserving the money or the father is deserving the money, if they already went to court, and after, and uh, even uh, everybody admits to it uh, after he, after the person took a false oath, denying the whole thing, he then admits that we already went to court and I have to pay. Rib Shimon still says it doesn't follow the regular rules of. Um, of a false oath with regards to monetary issues. But we're about to say, well, that's not true. Because Rabbi Shimon said, Rabbi Shimon said that originally, Rabbi Shimon said that in a regular case, there's an exemption. Um, in a regular case of, let's say, onus of a rape or seduction, there is this, the regular laws of a false oath do not apply. Why? Because if, as a kanas, he could always deny it. He denies it and he doesn't have to pay. He, who says that he's paying? He doesn't necessarily have to pay. Sorry, not if he admits to it, not if he denies it. If he admits to it, so then he wouldn't have to pay. And so since if he were to admit to it, he doesn't have to pay, so then this is this doesn't follow the regular rules of um, of a false oath where he it's a regular monetary obligation. Now, in this case, it's different because if he were to admit to it, so then he wouldn't have to pay. But when is that true? It's only if he admits to it before they have a verdict. But once they already had a ruling, so then even if you were to admit to it after the fact, <laughs> that, that's meaningless. That's nothing. He still has to pay. Once the court decided he has to pay, he has to pay. He can't come along and say, you know what? I also admit to it, and now I don't have to pay. No, he still has to pay. So if he, if the whole logic of Rabbi Shimon is that if you were to admit to it, he wouldn't have to pay, that means Rabbi Shimon is limited to a case where it's before the ruling, not after the ruling. After the ruling, uh, he, he's not exempt from paying, even even if he admits to it. 
So doesn't this imply that Reb Shimon is limited to a case where it's before the court ruling against what we were saying? We were saying that according to Reb Shimon, even after the court made a ruling, and he had he then um, everybody admits to that, and he and he took a false oath saying that there were, there was no court ruling. Um, so then even Reb Shimon says that there, this is not the regular rules of a false oath of monetary obligations, but it's not, it doesn't seem to be the case because Reb Shimon in his analysis, seems to be referring to only a case where it was before the court ruling because it's about the fact that he has the ability to admit to it and then would not have to pay. So the Gemara answers, Reb Shimon, when he made that line, he wasn't talking about himself. He was talking about the position of the first, the Tanakama, the first position. And he was saying, According to me, even if it was after the court case, everybody agrees. He first made it, took a false oath, saying that none of this happened, and then afterwards he admits that there was already a court case. So then, uh, I still hold that uh, it doesn't it doesn't follow the regular rules of uh, of a false oath of monetary issues. But according to you, the Rabban, and according to you, the first position, the majority, but according to you, at least admit to me that if it's before they went to court, nobody, everybody agrees they never went to court, and it's just a question of uh, whether whether or not he admits to to he took a false oath about the fact that he first initially took an oath saying that he never raped or seduced her, and then he admits that he did, but they never went to court. So that's a case, says Reb Shimon, of a knas, and in a regular knas, it doesn't according it doesn't follow the rules of uh, of a regular false oath. So at least admit to me that. So the Rabbanan respond back, Rabbanan Savri, Kikotava, Kotava. The Rabbanan, the majority, respond back by saying, true, that's with regards to a knas, with regards to a fine, but there's more happening in a case of a seduction or rape. There's there's also uh, the embarrassment element and the humiliation and the, the lowering of her value. So there's other monetary obligations. So therefore, it would be viewed as a false oath, false oath of regular monetary obligations. So to that, the Gemara says, what are they actually arguing about? But Micah Mifligi. And we have a few more lines here as we move on to the top of Mem Gimel Amaral, 43a. Amar Papa, Reb Shimon Savar, Loshavik Inish Midi Dekates, Vitava Midi Locates. For Abanan Savri, Loshavik Inish Midi Dechimodi Bay, Lo Mifter, Vitava Midi Dechimodi Bay, Mifter. Essentially, they argue about what is the father really wanting? What is he, what is he, what is his primary motivation here for taking this person to court and this person then taking a, a false oath. What are they focusing on? Which which payment are they focusing on? According to Reb Shimon, they're focusing on the fine. Why? Because the fine is a set amount. It's 50 shekel. So the father knows when he takes him, this guy to court, he's getting 50 shekel. Uh, with regards to all the other things, that's uh, subjective. It depends on every case, how much of the humiliation and the lowering of her value. So his his primary intention here is getting what he knows he'll get, which is the fifty shekel. So his focus is on the knas. If the focus is on the knas, so then that's then when he takes the oath, when the other person takes the oath, that's primarily about the knas. And therefore, uh, when he lied about that, so then it's not a regular case of monetary obligation. The rabban on the majority argue, and they say that no. When the father takes him to court. His primary motivation is really on everything else. It's on the humiliation and the lowering of her value because when it comes to the fine, the guy could just admit to it and then he'll be exempt. He'll be exempt. Um, so uh, the, the, therefore, the Rabbanan are going to say, the majority will say, 
when he comes, the father comes to court, he's really focusing on the boshes and the begam, on the monetary obligations. Once he's focusing on the monetary obligations, and the guy takes a uh, takes a shvuah, takes a false oath, so then he, it would fall under the according to the rabbanon, it, this really would fall under the regular rules of uh, taking a false oath about regular monetary obligations, and this is not about the knas. It's not about the knas according the fine according to the rabbanon. Okay. We have concluded Daf Mem Beis, and we will continue next week with Daf Mem Gimel.